Welcome to What Compassion Accomplishes, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about domestic abuse and sexual assault. The topics discussed in this podcast, including survivor stories, supportive services, and domestic abuse or sexual violence, can be difficult, and we urge you to listen with care. Our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals. If you or someone you care about have experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the WCA's 24-hour hotline at 208-343-7025 or the National Domestic Violence Hotline 1-800-799-7233. You can also find more resources in the description of this podcast. Hi, this is Corey Michaels once again, along with Becca McGuire, Outreach Specialist with the Women and Children's Alliance. Becca, hello. Hi, Corey. How are you? I am wonderful. And we're honored to have in the studio this time, we have Maya Renee, Client Advocate with the WCA. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming down here and taking a Taking a little time in the studio with I'm us. I'm excited. Your studio is beautiful. <laughs> well, it is. Well, I you. love the design. <laughs> now, you've been with the WCA for quite a while. What, nine years? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, gosh, started in 2012. What, so. uh, what, got, you, what got you started? <laughs> um, I actually started when I was 18 in Montana. I'm originally from Montana. And... I had a friend whose mom um, worked at the local uh, YWCA, and I was coming back from um, my first year of college, and she just said, hey, you know, we have this position that was open, and it was for an advocate position, and I just loved it. I feel like it just sucked me in. It was just kind of my calling. Everything felt really natural, and I just felt really passionately about the work and um, assisting assisting that population. Now, did you did you have experience from your younger days that that drew you towards the this work? Um, no, not so much. Like I have, yeah i I think that I had witnessed, you know, unhealthy. Right relationships um i was very lucky and blessed to have two parents that raised me and you know stayed together until my father passed last year but i uh, definitely witnessed um a lot of the influencers that do run synonymously with domestic violence and sexual assault so um you know that could be anything just financial you know your financial status um substance abuse um you know things like that so i had witnessed a lot of that growing up but not in my my home thank goodness yeah, i know it yeah. me, me as well uh but i was very blessed in that regard but now for you what what keeps you going now all these years later nine years later and and seeing and, and experiencing all the things that you have in that time, what keeps you going? I'm a strong believer in leaning into difficult things. Um, and there is 
a want and a need to assist in this in this population. I feel like it's ongoing and especially like with the pandemic, you'll see like the the numbers just increase. I feel like there's always just some something that happens that is just it just continues to suck you in and says there's a need here. So lean into it, you know. Um I think it's re- extremely rewarding. Um I have to say like my soft spot is definitely the children, you yeah. know, and being able to work in the shelter and see the growth of the children while they're there is really huge for me, um, especially after becoming a mother and just seeing like, I mean, we had one instance where a child um, was probably, I'd say, maybe a year and a half or so and still crawling. Um, And after being in the shelter within the first couple of weeks was walking you know, just being able to be a child and yeah. be independent and, you know, feel secure. Feel se- yeah, absolutely feel secure. And so um, the children just tug at my heartstrings in a, in yeah. a huge way. Um, also, just seeing the women and seeing them blossom and grow, um, seeing them when they find their voice, you know, because there's definitely a. There's definitely a time where you see them open up and find their voice and you're like, there it is. You know, yeah, she's representing herself or they're representing themselves. And um, I think that's cool. Yeah. And I'm sure you've seen it a lot too, uh, Becca, as well. I know I have and working with with families in different uh, nonprofits and, and shelters and organizations over the years the kids when they'll come in and, and a big thing that I've seen in these situations is fear. They just look scared to death and they're trembling or they don't have any emotion. It's like they have just shut down in order to deal with whatever they're dealing with Mm -hmm. and then getting to, and unfortunately, you know, with what I do and have done over the years, I don't get to see that every day. I don't get to see them. Um, but I love the ones that I do get to see down the road after they have gotten to the other side. And that lifeless child all of a sudden has color to their cheeks and their eyes are bright and they're a kid. I think you, you, you know, they're actually able to be a kid again. Uh, the ones that were scared and trembling and, you know, we're standing behind mom, you know, holding on to the leg, barely peeking behind yeah. the leg are now coming out of their shell because they don't have that fear anymore. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? What if I say this? What if I make this noise? You know, what's going to happen to mommy or what's going to happen to me? Mm-hmm. And man, that is the the coolest thing right there is seeing that on the kids and seeing them all of a sudden become, or at least be on the path to being healthy and happy and be able to just have their biggest worry be what, what cartoon they're going to watch after homework, not what's going to happen, you know, when, Mm. when mom or dad or whatever, get home from work or, you know, are they going to wake up, angry today right you know no kid should have to worry about any of those things right. you know they should be able to be 
kids. Ah, I don't want to eat my Brussels sprouts, mom. You know, that should be the abuse that a child, you know, that was the biggest abuse I had as a kid. Yes, you will eat your Brussels sprouts. Oftentimes you see children who want to care for their parent, you know, and it's like, it's okay. Like this is not your, you don't have to do that, you know? And I think that, um, you know, going back to your question of something else that does keep me there is looking at the overall structure um, that we have just in society. So, uh, you know, you may have a client who comes in who's a survivor of domestic violence and comes from a controlling environment, uh, may have may not have a strong job history, you know, because they may have lost several jobs, you know, due to harassment or domestic violence. Um, they may have been evicted from their home um, because they've had to call the police due to domestic violence or something of that sort. Um, and then they're put into, you know, they come voluntarily into the shelter and we want to assist them. But also keeping in mind that if they have three children, they have a, a poor, um, you know, job history I mean, finding child care, you know, we, we are lucky enough that we do have a child care within the shelter that assists, which is amazing. They do such great work. Yes. Um, but say, you know, when they transition out and if they have a job that may be paying like 10 bucks an hour, which is above minimum wage, you know, um, or even if say they get a great job that's $15 an hour and you have three children and you have to pay for child care. You know, it's no less than 800 bucks a month, you know, and then finding housing, you know, how do you really truly advance? You know, how do you crawl out of that? And you see that it's almost like you want to be there and you have to be there and you have to show up because who else is going to for these individuals? And when you see the defeat on their face, when they've done everything, when they get up, when they show up to their programming you know to counseling to case management they have you know they can't find housing they can't find child care their child gets sick they have to go pick up their child transportation they may have to they may only have a bus you know bus system to rely on you know it's a lot it is a lot and how do you not throw up your hands you know it's it's so much well and and it it's that that feeling of relief and hope of having finally gotten out of that situation. Mm -hmm. But then, yes, Mm -hmm. after that initial joy and relief uh, is over, then it's the reality of, okay, now it's, yeah, it's making those next steps. And when you have, you know, at least like the the WCA, and hopefully even if you don't have family or a lot of friends as a network, you do have the wonderful folks at WCA to help guide you, but it's still, it's tough. And if you don't see that immediate success, it's immediate, it's easy to just fall back emotionally into that dark place. And then you start making bad decisions of going back to maybe not the same person, Mm -hmm. but that might as well be. And they just get right back into the cycle yeah, absolutely. And it does take on an average of like up to seven times before somebody actually leaves and stays away. Um, and a lot of times they're doing that all alone, you know, and I mean, they've burnt bridges, so to speak, with family members, family mm-hmm. members. And that's one thing that 
even if somebody um, exits the program and it's their choice, we always make sure that they know, like, we're always here for you. I I don't care if she's saying she's going to go back to her abuser. Like, you know, we're here for you, you know, like no matter what, because they have to know that. Yeah. And I think that as far as advocates, we have such an amazing team. I mean, our advocates, one thing that I love is um, they're just the compassion and the empathy. We know that this is not our story. And even though we have all the tools in our toolbox, like, it's up to our clients to show up and say, like, I'm ready to heal. And we we will assist them through their healing at their own pace. And um, I think that it's important to know that they host their story. We're just an audience. We're showing up for it. We're here for it. And we want to hear what they need or what they feel like they need because it's just been stripped from them. And sometimes they don't, they don't know because they haven't had a voice, <laughs> you know? So we just want to guide them and walk alongside them um, and assist them. And I think a healthy boundary for us is I kind of feel like it is, I feel like it's kind of like we're a gas station or a, electronic you know charge station for your vehicle because we don't know where their journey goes afterwards right but we can give them the compassion the tools the love the nurturing while they're there to fuel them up just a little bit longer to go further you know and um because i think when i first started i had such a hard time like i was like oh my gosh you know, I would stay up at night and be like, I hope those kids are okay, you know, but that yeah. can really take a toll. Oh, it yeah. It can really take a toll on you. And so just having those boundaries and, and understanding like you do everything you can while they're here without overwhelming them with your tools and saying, I can fix this. Let me do this. Here's what you have to do. Check this out. I have a plan, you know, like, because that's what you want to do. But healing is so individual. So, and sometimes it takes three or four times coming in and out of the program until somebody's like, I'm really ready. Okay. Well, I, and the closest thing I can equate this to, um, but I think this was an appropriate analogy years ago when I uh, was trying to quit smoking and I failed again and, uh, went into my doctor and she was like, so how are you doing on the quit smoking? Well, you know, this happened, yeah. this happened, and I, you know, bought another pack. She goes, okay. She goes, you try to quit as many times as it takes because the only way you're not going to quit is if you quit trying. Right. And so she goes, eventually, one of those times, it's going to stick. Yeah. And it's going to work. And so that, as I think that's really a good analogy for this as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you only are defeated. You only are done if you quit trying to quit. Yeah. And, or in, that can be as simple as thinking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe starting to formulate a plan in your head or mm -hmm. thinking about that person you can call or the WCA or the national hotline or whoever or whatever that that yeah. happens to be in in your head while you're thinking about this map that's still trying yeah 
because you're thinking about that other side. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's really important also to, you know, as they, or if they choose to go back to their abuser to leave for us to ask like, okay, you know, and what, what is pulling you to go back just and just to know, you know, and say, okay, well, you know, I hear you and I understand that that's how you're feeling. Um, because I, one of the, the strengths I feel of being part of the WCA for so long is understanding the impact of just like generational cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the reason why I, our community is so amazing and they're so generous, but they're so needed, like the donations, the assistance, the help, the contribution, the volunteerings, it's so needed because this is generational. You know, mm-hmm. I have seen mothers go through the program and a couple of years later, you know, you see their daughter go through the program. You yeah. know, this is a this is a community crisis, you know, that we're dealing with. And so asking those questions um, when they leave is so important because then we're able to, you know, if they do come back um, into the program and they're struggling and we're, we identify a trigger point and say, okay, well, this is what happened last time when you left. Right. So what are some things we can do to strengthen that point? If you feel like that's a weak spot for you, you know, um, I think that's helpful of having the longer tenure of, you know, working with the WCA is being able to help those, those readmitting uh, clients. Now, Becca, once again, you know, we, if someone's in that situation, what do they need to do right, right now? They just need to know that there is help available. There is someone here for you um, in Boise and the Treasure Valley area. The WCA is here. Um, and if you're local, our hotline is 208-343-7025. Call that number. Even if you're not ready to leave and you're just kind of curious of what are your options, please give that hotline a call and and know that there's different options available. Well, and, and someone can stay anonymous. So if you aren't ready to leave quite yet, um, but you just need someone to talk to you need, and you don't feel like you have anyone else that you can Mm -hmm. safely have the conversation with, you can safely have that conversation with the with the WCA if you're outside the area in the description there's the national hotline number so no matter where you're listening because of the the podcast we have people that'll listen all over the world there are organizations just like the WCA that care that they have the love the compassion and the strength even if you don't have the strength yet yeah. they have enough strength for both of you yeah um to get through this and get you the tools that you need uh to put in your toolkit to to build your future mm-hmm. period ladies thank you so much thank you thank you Corey. Yeah. and great. now uh, my you are not off completely <laughs> Because coming up, not not this episode, but I want to have an episode coming up uh, where we talk about, because Becca just gave me this fabulous uh, article that you wrote on the impacts of violence on women of color. Yes. 
So I want to have you back in. Yes, and I that's love an, it. That's such an important topic that I I, yes. I don't want to just uh, bury that here yeah. at the end of, of this one. I want us to be able to spend the whole time talking about Thank that. You. If that's okay, with I would love that. That's okay. my I juicy would too. spot. All I right. love it. <laughs> I so I put together our newsletter, and when I read Maya's article, it is so beautifully written. It is truthful. It is. It really tugged at my heartstrings and it it's a very well done article and it is a very incredibly poignant piece mm-hmm. and it is such an important thing that we do need to discuss. Thank you. I thought it was beautiful. We'll make sure that the, the link is uh, in the description here. Uh, so you can do uh, do a little homework before our <laughs> podcast coming up, but we'll do that on the impacts of violence on women of color. But Maya, thank you. Thank you. And Becca, thank you as always. Thank you, Maya. And we will chat again on the next episode of What Compassion Accomplishes. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of What Compassion Accomplishes. Again, if you or someone you know has experienced domestic abuse, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at one 800 799-7233 or the WCA's 24-hour hotline 208-343-7025.